Good morning, everyone. Would you please stand with us?
Take a moment, welcome those around you.
Turn to your seats and you may be seated. Well, good morning. Man, I hate to interrupt good conversations. Just carry on. I, I, lo I love to see you guys talking with one another. Uh, all of us have probably been in a church at some point that was very cold and like nobody spoke to anyone. So it's great to see conversations uh, taking place. That's exciting. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here. Um, if this is your first time with us or maybe your first time in a long time, we would appreciate if you would let us know you are our guest. Um, and we want to we want to treat you as such. We want you to know that we love you, that we're praying for you, that we care about you, that we're thankful that you're here. There's a couple ways you can let us know that. One, there's a QR code inside the bulletin that you can scan, or there should be a connection card out there on uh, the welcome desk. We would appreciate if you would just fill out some information about you. Just some announcements before we do our children's sermon. So in just a minute, I'm going to have our kiddos come forward. But just a couple announcements before that. We have our men's and women's adult Bible studies that start this Wednesday. All the information that you need is in the bulletin. So men and women, please come. Uh, the studies are going to be great studies. Uh, Andy Masden is going to be teaching the ladies. Mark Runyon is going to be teaching the men's Bible study. It tells you where to be and what time and how many weeks. And so uh, you want to be part of that. Also tonight, after Awana, we have our annual church conference. On the way out are the papers. So if you want to look over that this afternoon, study it in depth, you can do that. They're available for you. Just if you take a copy, please bring it back with you tonight. Otherwise, we have to kill more trees and pay more money on the copier. So just bring that back with you. There's some other announcement we, announcements we want you uh, to pay attention to. Um, we'll say more about this in a little bit. But the first announcement that you see, um, we have some special, special folks with us. Uh, this morning, the, the Yanceys from Ecuador, Mark and I got to meet them a little over a month ago. Uh, we shared about that with you, and so they were in town for a couple months, so we wanted them to come, and so you're going to hear from them. Uh, just kind of an introduction, we have a video, and then Mark is going to do a Q&A with them, so you can learn more about uh, this new partnership that Northside is going to have with them. Um, that hopefully will last for a long time. And so we want you to hear more about what God is doing. Right, we talk about missions, we, we preach about the need to go on missions, to do evangelism, to tell people about Jesus, church planning. They're doing it, and we want you to hear about that. And then after they do that, I'll come up and just kind of wrap up that time and pray, and then we'll sing one final song um, together. And so we're, we're excited about that and excited to have them, and we'll say more about them in just a few minutes. But at this time, if I can have all my kiddos come join me up front on the steps. Ooh, somebody's going to have to help me get up. I come, come one, come all, gather around. As we continue our way through this book called The Biggest Story, we'll have, the, we'll have a picture up there for you that kind of shows you what the book is about. Um, also for the adults who like to follow along, hopefully we'll have pictures. You're not going to be able to, to read the words on the screen. You're just going to have to listen. Come on, Anna. Uh, but at least you'll get to see the picture. So, whoa, y'all can come like sit over here if you want. You don't have to be so far away, but you can sit down there too if you want. All right, so I'm going to give you a big word. I'm going to quickly explain that word, and then we're going to read the story. 
So, there's a word that we use, and it's called worldview. Worldview. Like, what is a worldview? Well, a worldview is a way that we view the world. It's a way that we try to make sense, to see, to understand the world. And as you get older, you're going to learn all about this big word, worldview. Come on, Asher, you want to sit right there? Um, and in a worldview, they try to answer some basic questions. Like, the first questions they try to answer is, how did we get here? You're probably thinking, I rode in my car. I rode in my vehicle. But that's not what we're talking about. Like, how were you born? How were you created? Who made the world? And several months ago when we started this book, we answered that question. Genesis chapter 1, that God created the world. God made each and every one of us. The second question we then have to answer is, what went wrong? If God created the world perfect, then why is the world so broken and things so messed up? Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. That is Genesis chapter 3. It's called A Very Bad Day. All right, so let's start. Never trust a snake. Sometimes after the beginning that began so well, and I will amen that, I do not like snakes. Sometime after the beginning that began so well, everything began to fall apart. It all started one day when a snake slithered up to Eve. Did God actually say? That's what that devilish snake whispered to the woman. See, God had put a special tree in the middle of the garden. It was a testing tree, an off-limits tree. It was called the tree of the knowledge of, anybody know? good and evil well done and god told adam not to eat of it the problem wasn't knowledge itself god wanted the man and the woman to learn and grow and do good things in the world the problem was thinking that we get to decide what is right and wrong that's what the tree stood for god's authority to call the shots but that's what satan hates about god and it turns out that's what a lot of people hate about god too we like to do things our way we like to be the boss of ourselves. We like to be the boss of other people. We even like to be the boss of God. Anybody up here like to be the boss? No. Oh, you're all lying. Every single one of you are not telling the truth right now. There's the picture. All right? I live with three people who try to be the boss. I met myself landed in Malachi. I know y'all were thinking about Ryan. Come on up there. All right, here we go. Let's continue. So Eve doubted God and believed the serpent. She thought the devil was on her side and that God was against her. She thought the snake was sweet and God's commands were bitter. But when Adam and Eve ate the fruit from the off-limits tree, they quickly learned that it never pays to go against God's way. Because of Adam's one sin, sin and all its messes came into the world for everyone. Life would be hard from then on. The ground would be hard. Work would be hard marriage would be hard any amens out there on the marriage part better not having here we go having babies would be hard and death would be really hard what a rotten day the second worst day in the history of the world there you go see the pictures all right we got one more page and yet before you close this book and crawl under your covers and cry you need to know that just as all the bad things began to happen, God's promise was beginning too. He promised that one day there would be a snake crusher to flatten that slimy serpent and save his sinful people. A war was about to begin, but God had already guaranteed that because of a great one to come, the good guys would win. So the next question we have to ask in a worldview is, is there any hope? 
Is there yes. any hope for us? And the answer is yes. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus who is God. All right? So the last Sunday of the month, we're going to do this. In September, Mr. Daniel Power up there is going to read the story for you. And then so every month we'll have different people, different adults, even some youth sometimes, maybe read the story for you. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that there is hope in Jesus. God, this morning we just want to say we're sorry. We're sorry for all the, the lies that we believe, all the, the bad sin that's in our hearts. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the snake crusher who gives us new life and a new beginning. Thank you to Jesus that you would die for us and be raised from the dead so that we could have eternal life. Help us to believe in you. Then help us to be men and women, boys and girls, who want to tell other boys and girls about Jesus and that he is our hope. Thank you for all the boys and girls that are up here, for all that they have already learned, that they will continue to learn. Thank you for their families and for the men and women in this church who teach them and love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you all can go back to your seat. If everybody else will stand, we're going to worship together.
Amen. Thank you, brother. I saw Glenn out in the foyer. I said, Glenn, does Curtis know you're coming? I didn't see, I didn't see he had a music in his hand. And then somebody said, Glenn, how long are you in town? He said, about two hours. So Glenn is actually heading to the airport like right now. So y'all pray for a safe flight for him. But man, what a blessing anytime he's in town uh, for him to sing. And so, yeah, so thankful. So thankful, Glenn. Appreciate you, brother. All right, so this time we have Children's Church this morning for our three and four-year-olds. So y'all can go line up where you typically line up. Um, and while we're, we're doing that, transitioning, um, we do have, as I mentioned, some special folks with us this morning. So we had the opportunity um, to spend some time with the Yanceys on the last day and a half of our trip uh, to Ecuador. So um, we just want you to hear from them. We want you to hear how God is at work. When we went to Ecuador, uh, Chris was gracious enough to allow me to preach um, in the church where he is He's currently serving. Are you the interim pastor there? Um, so he was gracious enough to, to give up the pulpit. And that's not easy for us preachers to, to give up the pulpit to somebody else. Um, and so we wanted to, to give them the opportunity to come and, and to share with you. And so you know how to pray for them. And I'm just thankful this morning that I don't have to do any interpreting for you. Because uh, he had to interpret for me. And so, um, so there'll be no interpreting today. And so what we're going to do, Chris is going to come and just uh, introduce himself. And this is his wife walking in right now, Madeline. And Gloria, she's my buddy. She just uh, went out to Children's Church. And then Levi, uh, their other son, is hanging out with, uh, with your mom. Is that correct? So he's, he's not here this morning. So Chris is going to come, just do an introduction, and then he'll introduce the video, and then we'll do a Q&A with them. Number two, Travis. Want to come on up? There you go. Hey everyone, it is such a blessing to be here at Northside this morning. My name is Chris. And I'm Madeline. And we serve in Ecuador, South America. So you'll get some context for where we serve when we show a video in just a minute. But I just wanted to say um, we've been serving in Ecuador since 2019. We moved there full time. We are a part of M28 Church, which meets up in Midtown. They were a church plant, and now they're thriving and doing, uh, doing great. And we are the first missionary family that M28 has sent out. Um, I just want to share a little bit about uh, my call to missions, and Madeline will share a little bit about her call to missions as well. But when I was a college student, my church in Birmingham, Alabama, took a short-term trip to Ecuador. And I went to Ecuador for one week. And I thought it would be really cool to spend a whole summer in Ecuador after that because I noticed that there were college students serving on staff at this camp that we were serving at. And I knew I had one summer left, so I, uh, I did that. I went back, and the Lord allowed me to serve there for, one, uh, for about three months that next summer. During that three months, uh, I received a call from God to missions and ministry full-time. And let me just read a verse for us this morning. And that verse comes from Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And the scripture says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I was reading my daily devotional in Ecuador at uh, right outside a chapel that doesn't exist anymore because we, we had a natural disaster about a year ago. And at that, at, that, at that point, 
I really felt like God was calling me into missions and ministry. He convicted me through this scripture that I really wasn't doing a great job of letting my light shine before others. I was kind of like the foolish person who was putting the light of the gospel that I had inside of me underneath the basket. And God convicted me of that. And God said um, it, he really just impressed upon me that. Um, my life was much better lived when I let my light shine before others and when I shared Christ with others boldly and when I didn't worry about what other people thought about me and things like that. So through, through that time and that experience in Ecuador, I, I was called into ministry and missions full time. And I believe at that point, I knew that I would be serving in Ecuador full time one day. And I was about 20 years old or so. Uh, so I ended up going to seminary, and just to kind of make a long story short, I served in Ecuador as a volunteer, as an intern for three more summers. I served in Spain for another summer uh, during my seminary time. Uh, I was able to do that, and I learned Spanish over the course of that time period, and God's just given me many opportunities to share my faith with other people in a cross-cultural context, and now he's giving us many opportunities to share uh, just the story of what he's doing in Ecuador with, with this. Along the way, I met Madeline, and she'll kind of come in and tell her part of the story here, but God put a call in her life to, to serve in Ecuador as well. Hey, everyone. I'm Madeline, and I grew up in a non-Christian family, uh, more of a moral family where you were supposed to do your homework and be nice to your siblings, but the idea of following Christ or anything like that was just not taught to me growing up. So for most of my life, I lived my life as an unrepentant sinner. And when I was 19, God revealed to me that I was not saved and that I did not know him. And at that moment, I turned from my sinful life and followed him. I met Chris about four months later, and I knew he was in seminary. And I said, well, what do you plan on doing with your degree? And he said, well, I feel called to be a full-time missionary in Ecuador, South America. So to just give you some context, I had never been on a mission trip. I, had, I was still learning basic biblical principles of what it meant to truly follow Christ. So as you can imagine, that was a very, uh, something I didn't even know how to process, right? Uh, but over the years that Chris and I were together and getting to know each other better, God just revealed that I too was supposed to serve alongside of him as his wife in Ecuador. So really God can just transform you from literally the sinner to serving him full time in Ecuador. So praise be to God. Yes, so what, what we do in Ecuador is we are primarily church planters and we also work with camp ministries so we in, we're involved in church planting which is identifying communities and villages that don't have access to the gospel don't have access to a local uh, baptist church or even evangelical or even christian church there um, and we we help start churches there we also train pastors to lead those churches god typically calls out pastors from those churches as they're raised up and our organization the pesca foundation has a seminary where we train pastors uh, in order to lead their people better and uh, rightly handle and understand God's word. We also work with camp ministries. So that's kind of the third thing that we do is we provide summer camp opportunities for children and youth aged about six up to uh, 30 because you're considered a youth in Ecuador until you get married. So we have, uh, we have some, some different, uh, different age brackets and categorizations there. And those are the, those are the primary, primary things that we do. We also do community service and vacation Bible school and things like that that get us in the community. Um, I think one, one thing that I want to highlight really quick before we show the video is why are we in Ecuador? Why are missionaries needed in Ecuador? And obviously I think the short answer is missionaries are needed all around the world uh, because there's people that don't know the gospel. But in Ecuador specifically, Pastor Aaron read a story today about the snake crusher. Well, in Ecuador they have 
backwards who is the snake crusher. There's a little bit of confusion there. So we know that Jesus is the one that God sent to redeem us from our sin. But in Ecuador, typically, most people are Catholic, and most people are Catholic mixed with kind of pagan, animistic beliefs. And they believe that the snake crusher is actually Mary. So they have that, they have that backwards um, in that. And you'll see art depicting Mary on top of a snake, which is terrible, blasphemous artwork that we do see there. So basically, most people do not have a personal relationship with God. If we put a percentage on it, I would say about 97% of people in Ecuador do not have a personal relationship with Christ like we have. Uh, so when we go out and talk about the gospel, when we talk about the Bible, there's really just no context for those things. Uh, the, the Catholic Church there encourages their people to not read the Bible. And we as uh, Baptists working in Ecuador, along with the Ecuadorian Baptist Convention, which is a sister convention to the Southern Baptist Convention, we encourage people, read your Bible. Here's the gospel, um, but learn more about it for yourself as you read this. And God will reveal himself to you through his word primarily. And, uh, and that's what we encourage people to do. So it's been such a blessing to get to know Mark. And then through Mark, we got to know Pastor Aaron. And we got to show them uh, our camp facility where we stay and uh, where we do ministry. So that's just kind of a brief overview of what we do. More will come out in the Q&A a little bit, a little bit uh, later. But I think we want to addition to the video right now, if possible. And the video is about four and a half minutes long. And it just shows an overview about what we do in Ecuador. And you can see some pictures and some places that we live and do ministry. Hey everyone, we're the Yancey family. I'm Chris. I'm Madeline. We have a daughter, Gloria, who's four. And we have a son, Levi, who's one. And we're expecting another baby, a boy, in November. We serve in Ecuador, Ecuador South, South America. serving here for the past three years and it has been such a blessing. Our main goal here is just to tell people about Jesus and to share the gospel with as many people as we can. We have four main ways that we share the gospel and tell people about Jesus here. The first way is church planting. That's where we go to communities and villages where there are no churches and we tell people about Jesus and we start new churches. It also we realize that we need to have pastors to lead those churches so we have a seminary that trains pastors and leaders to understand and teach the Bible more so that they can lead their church as well the other two ways that we share about Christ are through vacation Bible school where we'll go into a community and share about Jesus and teach the Bible and then we also have summer camps which kids will spend overnight here at one of our camps either here in the mountains or in the jungle and they'll learn about Jesus and grow in their as we close out this video, we'd like to end by showing you our two ministry facilities, Camp Chicalco and Camp Umpez. And we'd also like to show you some videos and pictures of ministry highlights from our time serving in Ecuador.
Well, that was cool. It's been great to get to know y'all and uh, was, appreciate your hospitality when we uh, were in Ecuador and uh, driving us around. And uh, some of those uh, drives we took on that last on the second day were quite adventurous. So it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm surprised that we got asked to come here after taking Pastor Aaron off-road <laughs> on the side of a mountain. Yeah, that was fun. We, um, I was wondering how you found these communities that where you uh, plant churches, but on this one road we were on, we found a donkey and we found a bull that was kind of mad and in the way, but uh, anyway, we got there, so that was fun. So uh, let me put these on. I've got a couple of questions for y'all. Um, so you guys, from the video, it looked like there's four ways um, that you're reaching Ecuadorians, uh, discipleship, and then really training Ecuadorians to reach Ecuadorians, and that's awesome. So um, just appreciate y'all's ministry. And so you're, you, you mentioned you're uh, pastoring in Embato, like an interim pastor. Do you also teach at the seminary that's there? Yes. So I'm right now serving as an interim pastor of one of our associational churches in Ambato. Ambato is the fourth largest city, and it's about 45 minutes to an hour from our, our house where we live in Camp Chicalco. Um, one thing that we do as a foundation is that we plant churches, but we make sure that our churches, or we try to make sure that our churches that have been planted stay healthy. This particular church was unhealthy about three years ago. They lost their pastor. And when we came on the field, it was just a good opportunity for us to come in, plug in, and serve. So I'm, I'm serving as the interim pastor there, on, uh, which basically means I'm preaching on Sundays. And then on Wednesdays or during the midweek, we have generally have some kind of prayer meeting or Bible study. It's been on Zoom because a lot of things got shut down there during the COVID time. But we're starting to kind of get out of those things, and most things are meeting face-to-face -face now. So um, it's been a really good opportunity. They're a really, really gracious con uh, congregation. They have uh, put up with some of my sermons uh, in Spanish as I'm kind of learning and mastering the language. Uh, so they've, they've been really gracious, you know, when I misspeak, when I, uh, when I can't say Deuteronomy the right way in Spanish, which is a hard word for me to say. Uh, so that, that's, been, that's been really, really good. We baptized uh, at our church, I think we baptized about eight people uh, last year, and I believe there's more people that are interested in following Christ through baptism. Most of the people that come into our church are first-generation believers, so they're coming out of a Catholic faith, a nominal Catholic faith and background. Uh, and then also in addition to that, uh, we, we live at camp and we have our seminary on property at our ministry facility and I serve as one of the adjunct faculty of the seminary. So I've taught one class on missions so far, and I think probably next year my number will come up again for teaching a missions class. Okay. And you've got Gloria and Levi and one on the way in November, is that right? Awesome. So what's it like raising a family there in Ecuador? <laughs> well, we get the privilege of really raising our kids, um, partaking in ministry almost every day. But my main role, honestly, right now is to be mom and wife um, and a helper to Chris. Uh, but we're uh, a family. We home, we will homeschool our kids. Gloria is homeschooled right now. Um, that's just the best way to be able to serve with our schedule. Um, but last night, this just made me laugh. We were telling Gloria, Levi, our son, was born in Ecuador, so he's considered an Ecuadorian in the eyes of the government. And um, we said, you know, Levi's Ecuadorian. And Gloria said, well, what am I? We said, well, you're American, you were born in Atlanta, you know. 
she said, no, I really am Ecuadorian. So um, our kids get the, get the best of both worlds. They get to know the United States, but truly in their hearts, they think they're Ecuadorian. Yeah, and we live out in the country, so uh, we're, you know, we're about 10 minutes from a little town, but we're about 45 minutes from the major city. So our, our kids have nine acres at our camp facility to run around on and play on which is awesome. We really, we really love that, and we're blessed to have that. So as you uh, minister there with camp ministry and then church planning, is there a people group that you're working with? Or are they considered uh, indigenous Ecuadorians? Or Yeah, I would say primarily we work with three or four main people groups. Uh, the first people group is just what's considered Ecuadorian or mestizo. Um, they are the people group when the Spaniards came over and colonized, they're of kind of Ecuadorian, Latin, and Spanish descent. And then their other groups are indigenous people groups. One is the Highland Quechua, and they have their own kind of culture. They do have their own language, but most of them speak Spanish now. Uh, and then two other groups that we work with primarily are the, um, the Jungle Quechua, the Shuar Indian, and then also the Warani Indian. And Madeline can tell you a little bit more about the Warani. Yeah, so if you guys are familiar with the story of Jim Elliott and the missionaries who were martyred in the 1950s, if you're not familiar, take some time to Google it. It's a really neat, neat story, but just to give you a highlight and tie it back into our ministry, uh, five missionary men went in to witness and share Christ to the Warani. There was some confusion, and the Warani were a very violent group at the time, and they killed the missionaries. After the missionaries um, had passed, the wives and some of the other family members went back into the Warani and witnessed to them, and most of them became Christian, and overall, in general, they are no longer a violent group of people. So to tie this back in, we just had um, some summer camps this summer out in the jungle, and we had, and one of them, mainly Warani kids, come out and learn about Christ and worship and learn Bible stories with us, but what was really neat was we had some Warani kids walk 17 hours to come to our camp. And we're talking like 17 fast hours for them. For us, it would be like three days of walking. And we're talking eight, nine-year-olds that the parents just say, okay, have fun at camp, you know, see you in five days. So um, it's just a different culture, but it was really neat. I mean, some of the kids hadn't seen showers, toilets, forks, knives. They looked at our family like, who are, what are you, you know? They had never seen a baby that looked like our son before. So it was a really unique experience, but it just shows, man, over 50, 60, 70 years, the difference of us being able to work with and witness to the Warani. That's awesome. So uh, the camps look fun that from, from the video. Uh, so who, how do you get people to, do you have staff there? Or, or do church teams come help you run the camps? Or how does that work? Yes, so with our, with our camps, we typically do them during school vacation time. So that happens pretty much when we have summer break. They have summer break there too. And we have typically five to six weeks of camp during the summer. We usually have uh, three or four kids camps, one at our mountain location, two at our jungle location, and then a youth camp at both lo camp locations. We have a staff of Ecuadorian employees that work with our foundation. And I want to say we have about 15 Ecuadorian employees on staff. Some of them are ministry staff, and some of them are more maintenance and logistics. But our ministry staff helps write the curriculum for camp, and they also help uh, promote camp, and they help run the camp in terms of uh, just the logistics of camp. 
our local association of churches are the ones who we invite first. So we're part of a local association of churches, just like you guys are part of an association of churches here. We have about 22 churches in our association, and we invite them to camp first. And then, of course, anyone's welcome at camp. Uh, but we start with our churches, and a lot of times, oftentimes, people invite their friends who aren't Christians, and it's a good witnessing tool, but it's also a good time of discipleship. In Ecuador, when the missionary family that we worked with, Stephen Carroll Thompson, when they arrived on the field in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, there was no camps or conference centers in Ecuador, and God really put it on their heart to help start some camps and conference centers so that kids and youth could have camp experiences. So that's one thing that we do as a foundation. Uh, also, we have volunteer teams from the United States who come and serve for a week at camp with us, and they're a huge help with uh, getting the kids from point A to point B. Uh, also, they lead Bible studies and teaching times with the kids through translators or the youth through translators, and uh, it's just a really, really positive time that we have with that. Well, that's cool. Um, I wanted to transition to ask y'all about your church planning a little bit. Um, so, I guess, how do you discover, you know, do you just, how do you find out where a, a community is that needs a church? And then, how would a church like Northside come alongside you and help you with that? Or, do you, or how do you guys uh, even get started in a, in a place like that? Well, I would say for right now, we live in a small town called Patate, Ecuador. And in Patate, the only church really that's there is um, a temple for the Lord of the Earthquake. So it's pretty quick to see when you drive up there, okay, there's a desperate need for a um, Christ correctly and teaches the Bible correctly. But Chris can kind of expand more on kind of what that looks like. Yeah, so I would say that more communities than not need a church. Um, and we think about in terms of transportation there, like probably some of you guys drove 15, 20 minutes to church this morning. I would, I would just hazard a guess. Somebody, somebody might live within walking distance, probably for the most part, no. There, if you don't have a church in the community within probably like walking distance, then people aren't gonna be able to come to church because they're not gonna have the means to go from their little village to the main hub to get to church. So um, just logistically, they need a church in their community so that they have a chance to hear the gospel, so that they have a chance to grow in their faith, and so that they have a chance to reach their community for Christ. We really, really believe that the local church is God's way and God's intention for transforming communities, for reaching people for Christ, and that's why we're so committed to church planting. Uh, so what we do is uh, I'll drive around. So I drive around on some of the roads like what I took Pastor Aaron and Mark on and just see what I can find. Also, I'll use maps to kind of figure it out. And then word of mouth, just kind of ask people, if friends in the community, hey, do you know any other communities around here? And they'll kind of, they'll kind of say, yeah, there's a, there's a little town over here. There's a little town over there. And uh, we'll go and oddly and you know, inevitably every time, none of them have a church within their community. And most of them don't know the gospel. Most of them have never really even considered going to what they would call like an evangelical church. So that's kind of how we identify uh, places where we go. And then we just have to wait for opportunities to come in the community because if each community has their own little um, local government or leadership team, usually there's almost like this person in charge of the community who's the president of the community who operates kind of like the village chief. If we kind of think in terms of like an indigenous model, it's still that way in many of their communities. And you got to get clearance to go in um, and do things like that. 
So that's, that's kind of what we work with. We just pray for God to open doors for us. We pray for God to reveal us places that need the gospel. And then we focus on places that are more rural um, because the churches within the city, the, the cities have typically do have Baptist churches in them. Also, one other thing, too, is um, our culture, the U.S. culture, is very favored in Ecuador. There's a huge interest. So whenever um, word of mouth gets around that a group from the United States is coming, um, it, it's a very positive thing, and it actually draws people out to come in. So kind of what Mark was saying, like how can a U.S. church, how can Northside kind of help with church planting? As soon as word gets out about a U.S. group coming in, it will kind of help open those doors. You can kind of say more on that. Yeah. So in Ecuador, it's actually illegal to evangelize openly. It's illegal to share the gospel and, uh, in, in, and proselytize other people. But through our foundation, we're part of a, a non, an NGO there, a non-government organization. And through our foundation, we have clearance to come into Ecuador or come into communities and share the gospel as long as we're doing what's considered an act of social work. A lot of times social work is kind of negatively thought of here in, in our context, but there it's very positive. So if we go in and we provide a vacation Bible school for the kids in the community, that's social work and we can share whatever we want to with the kids. We can evangelize. And then through that, we'll inevitably meet families. And through those families, we can start up conversations. And then we always have after the mission team leaves with whatever community initiative they have, whether it's a construction project or painting project within the community, whether it's a medical clinic, whether it's a vacation Bible school, whether it's a, uh, a tooth, toothbrushing clinic. I mean, it could be something as simple as handing out toothbrushes and toothpaste and teaching them how to brush their teeth. Whatever it is that gets us in the community, that's what we go do with our, our partner churches that come from the United States. And then after that, we have local leadership on the ground that can follow up and go visit people who they make contacts with and, and that sort of thing. So then that's how we, how we church plant and get churches off the ground and how we meet new contacts within communities and even find out about new communities that don't have churches that are interested after they see kind of what we're able to do. Okay, you mentioned partner churches and Pastor Aaron talked about partnering with you guys. So um, what do you think describes a partnership or how would you describe a partnership like between a church, a U.S. church and the Yancey? Yeah, so I would say, number one, our, our family is, is committed to church planting there. So what we're, we're interested in doing right now is identifying churches in the U.S. who are interested in church planting in Ecuador and basically team the church in the U.S. up with a community there that we're doing work in. So come and do one of those service projects within the community so that we can kind of break ground, so to speak, so that we can evangelize. And we trust that, just like the Bible says, when the gospel's preached, that people are going to turn to God in faith. And we see that happen. Um, and then we see God raise up leaders within the communities. We see God put calls, uh, pastoral calls on people's lives uh, in the communities who, who are Christians and who become Christians. And then we see a church being raised up. So um, the ideal would be kind of, I guess, an ideal partnership for us as a family would be summarized probably by pray, give, and go. And a lot of times we use that when we talk about missions, but we really, really need people here in the United States holding the rope for us in prayer. Uh, we deal with difficult circumstances all the time in Ecuador. We deal with unique circumstances that we wouldn't deal with here, uh, and we, we just need prayer. Um, and and we, we believe that God works through his people as they pray, 
We believe that prayer changes people. It changes our lives. It changes our hearts. So we need that. Um, in terms of giving, our family is not with the International Mission Board. So we are, um, the International Mission Board was not sending missionaries to Ecuador at the time when we felt called to go to Ecuador. So we are fundraising missionaries and our, our ministry um, overall is dependent upon financial partners within the United States. So churches giving to our family so that we can stay on the field and churches giving to our organization as well um, so that our organization can continue to go forward. So, so the giving aspect there and then the going we really, really benefit from teams, short-term teams from the United States coming to serve with us. You guys, short-term teams are the key to getting us into communities, and they're the key to us being able to evangelize freely in these little villages that we go to. Uh, so, so teams are, are really, really helpful in that. You mentioned prayer, so what are some things we can be praying for, for y'all about? Well, uh, we're, you know, we're expecting a new baby, and we're going to have that new baby in Ecuador. Um, again, I had such a wonderful experience. God was just so kind to us, led us to a great doctor and a great hospital in the capital city of Quito. And um, so it wasn't even a thought that we're going to have our next baby there as well. So if you guys could just be praying that that goes smoothly, I'm able to return back to Ecuador in plenty of time and uh, get to Quito in time to have the baby, that would, that would be helpful. Yeah, another prayer request that we have is just for God to open doors in the villages and communities that we've identified where we would like to have a church and that need a church. So just pray for God to open doors. Um, pray for, you know, people of peace within the community who are going to welcome us in so that we can do what, what we do as an organization and so that we can share the gospel and raise up churches in these communities. Um, also pray for our camp. Uh, we had about... Through our summer camp ministry this past summer, I want to say we had a total of around 1,000 or 1,100 children and youth that came to one of our summer camps. So just pray. Uh, many of them are a lot, a, a decent number made decisions for Christ that uh, we feel like are, were pretty legitimate decisions, not in a manipulated way or anything like that. So pray for those children and youth who made decisions for Christ. Pray that they would receive follow-up from their local churches. Uh, pray that they would receive follow-up from their local pastors and leaders that brought them to camp and pray that they would grow in their faith and pray that God would continue to use our camps to uh, promote the gospel and, and what God's doing, uh, what, what God is doing in the world. That's awesome. Well, we will be praying for you guys. And it's been great to get to know you all and just appreciate you all being with us today. And I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Aaron. Let me pray over you guys before you all. Anything else you want to share? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to say a couple words. They will be out there after the service. They got a table. Um, there's a way that you can get connected with them, obviously, to stay updated on how you can pray for them, how you can help them, and, uh, and serve with them. So let me pray for them, and then I'm going to close it out with just an illustration. Um, and a final word, and then we'll sing one final song together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this, this couple. Lord, thank you for how you have worked in their lives individually. Um, Lord, ever since they were young, Lord, how you shaped their hearts and their desires, and you called them to missions, how you brought them together, and Father, how you have sent them. Uh, thank you for Chris and for Madeline and 
for their two sweet kiddos um, and for the third that is on the way. And Lord, we do pray um, for that third child, Lord, just praying that as they spend um, the next several weeks here in the States and then return to Ecuador and uh, Lord, as that due date approaches, Father, just for a continued healthy pregnancy, um, a healthy delivery, a healthy baby, uh, Lord, that, that you would be glorified in that. Father, we pray, um, as, as Chris mentioned, for open doors. Lord, open doors of partnership with churches who see the need, who see the lostness, who, Lord, just connect with this sweet couple and come in and help. Um, but, Lord, also open doors in Ecuador, having been there, having seen some of these villages, having heard some of the stories early on um, with the Thompsons and, Lord, just the, the persecution uh, that they endured and went through, Father, and still that they may continue to go through. Lord, the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, it changes lives. And, God, you will open doors. And so, Father, we, we pray for that. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys want to go back and sit down? So if you will, after... The service just to have a table out there um so i just wanted to share an illustration that i had heard years ago and, and forgot about so dl moody the well-known evangelist dl moody was in an art gallery and he noticed a picture of a man in the midst of a storm holding on with two hands on a cross and uh that just i just hit him here's this guy two hands holding on to this cross in the midst of a storm um he said several years later, he came across a similar yet different picture. Still the storm, still the cross, but this time the man was holding on to the cross with one hand. And with the other hand, he was reaching out to help somebody who was drowning. And he said, though one is beautiful, the other is even more lovely. That's us. We cling to Jesus with all that we have. We recognize all around us are people who are perishing, people who are dying in their sins, who are going to hell, who are drowning. And our job is to reach out wherever God leads us to tell other people about Jesus. And so I'm super excited about this partnership, right? It's just in the infant stages. You know, one thing that Mark and I are doing over the next six months is Mark has a heart for missions and work with missions is just thinking and praying and we're going to come to people who have helped before, maybe been on mission trips before to get your feedback. But where is God leading us? Where can we serve? And one of those areas that we just feel compelled is, is with the Yanceys. And the four things that they mention, right, that's my heart. Church planning, going in and planting churches, seminaries, so that there's continued education and raising up of pastors. VBS. Y'all see me during the week of VBS. You know how much I love Vacation Bible School. And our students can attest to how much I love camp, right? And that was the fourth component is camp ministry. So this is just, this is my heart. This is right up our alley. And so we're excited about that partnership. And we wanted you to have the opportunity to get to meet them. If you have a question for them, certainly you can ask on the way um, out. And if you feel led to partner with them specifically, that's available to you. Certainly to pray for them. Um, to learn about their ministry, and if the Lord leads you to partner with them financially uh, through those open doors, certainly you can do that um, as well. So let me pray for us again, pray over us, and then we're going to sing one final song um, of worship. So let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we had just to gather as the body of Christ. And Lord, I just sensed this morning as we worshiped, God, I just sensed the energy, the joy, the enthusiasm in this place. Um, God, as we just lifted up your name. And so that is, that is amazing and incredible. And Father, as the Yanceys were sharing, Lord, I just sensed excitement, opportunity, but God, also just the reality of lostness. Lord, we do have an enemy. His name is Satan. He is the serpent. And he is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes he does that just in outright lies. And other times he does that through distorting the truth. Even that which may identify as itself as religion. Even sometimes what may be identified as Christian, Lord, isn't the true gospel. And having been in Ecuador, having seen those windy roads and those villages and how difficult it is for people to get from point A to point B, there is a need. Every face, every family that does not know you, Jesus, is lost and going to hell. But what's true for them over there is also true for us here. God, anyone in this room who does not have a relationship with you, Jesus, is lost and going to hell. And they have heard enough of the gospel through a testimony, through singing. They've heard enough of the gospel this morning that if they would turn their eyes to Jesus, if they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, that they would be saved. And so, Father, as we sing this final song, we just pray, God, that you would speak to hearts. Lord, that we would just worship you that we would be thankful for the gospel, for the saving truth of Jesus Christ. That we would sing as men and women who have been born again, who have been forever changed. But men and women who also recognize that there is a call to cling to the truth of Jesus, but also to reach out, to be the light of the world, and to tell people who don't know Jesus about the hope that is in Jesus. So, Father, we, we give you all the praise and the glory. And as we offer up this last final song of praise pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.
Mike Edson. Where is Mike? There he is. He's the deacon of the week, so he's going to come and pray. Don't forget about men's and women's Bible studies that start Wednesday. We want you to be part of that. Also, don't forget about our Sunday night activities tonight. And then if you want to speak with the Yanceys, uh, they are out there in the foyer. You can talk to them on the way out. Here you go, Mike. If you would, bow your heads and pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we first of all thank you for another day, and what a beautiful one it is. It's a great place to come and worship you through music that we've heard and sang. We just thank you for Chris and Madeline that they have had your presence laid on their hearts to serve you in the way that they do in Ecuador. And we thank you for the meeting up of uh, Aaron and Mark with them and partnering with them. It's a great thing to see your work going on everywhere that we go. Thank you for this day. Bring us by, back tonight for Awana and all the other services. Just help us to enjoy this day and fellowship with each other. We love you, Lord, and thank you for all that you do for us. For us in Christ's name, I pray. Amen. 